I'm Steve Anderson. I'm brand new as your interim pastor here, and I'm so excited to serve with you and follow Jesus along with you. And uh, we've received such a warm welcome. I want to say thank you to uh, you as a congregation. Thanks to Lamberts who are providing me a temporary place to bunk until our apartment is ready. And thanks to Pastor Brent and all the staff for making my uh, initiation easy and smooth. They even let me wear the official T-shirt today. Uh, thanks to the elders for your uh, care and encouragement. Um, but I want to say thanks to you, especially those of you who promised to pray that God would use us at Lakewood uh, to meet Lakewood's needs. Uh, Brent presented me with a framed print uh, that says, Steve, I'm praying for you. And uh, it's got just a whole bunch of signatures on it. And that means so much. Uh, today, I want to tell you a bit about what I need you to be praying for me. So um, I'm going to go get my glasses, and then I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful for uh, how you love us and how you reach us and how you uh, use us. The idea that you would want to have anything to do with the likes of us is just an amazing thing to us. And then you call us to serve you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in this time. And Lord, as I kind of preach to me today and preach to the congregation the expectations they should have of me, I pray that you would bless this time. Holy Spirit, come visit us today. Uh, share with us your heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does an interim pastor do? Why have we asked Pastor Steve and Harry to join us for this temporary time? What will Pastor Steve do while we are searching for God's choice for our next shepherd? I'm sure some of you are even asking, maybe some in the back of your minds, what are you doing here? Uh, that's all right. I've had those questions too. There are really uh, four important words that I want you to put in your mind for this interim time. Transition. That's a good word, a time of adjusting from one season to another, from one pastor to another, transition, restoration. I've spent uh, quite a bit of time with your leaders, and I know that in recent years there's been a bunch of pain and disappointment with leadership, and some of that has resulted in wrong stuff that uh, has uh, happened between members, uh, between those who attend here. You know, wrong tr triggers wrong, triggers wrong. I believe that God wants to heal us, to heal our church, and to heal those of us who have been wronged, and to heal those of us who have done wrong. God loves to heal. And, and one of the reasons I know God brought me here is to help with that healing, that restoring ministry. Anticipation, there's another great word. So that looking at our future, there's excitement, high hopes, curiosity even about what God wants to do with our church next. How will God use us to build his kingdom right here in the Brainerd Lakes region? But you know, all of that is just part of this final word, preparation. 
We are preparing ourselves, getting ourselves ready for what God wants to do next. There were several times in Scripture that were critical times of transition, anticipation, preparation for the things God was going to do, because God was about to do something new, and he prepared his people. Here are just a few uh, Bible examples that educate us about an interim time. Here's Paul to Titus. God wants to do a great thing on the island of Crete. Exciting stuff is ahead, but Crete's not ready yet for it. There are things that need to be set right. There are some things that are only partly done. There are leaders they need to find and develop and mature in the Lord for the work ahead. Here's another. God is going to bring someone into Israel's life just before the promised Messiah. And before Jesus comes on the scene, God sends, uh, God sends John the baptizer, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Now, John knew his place. He knew that there would come a time when he would step back into the shadows and and the one uh, he had prepared them for, the Savior, would step into the limelight. And as I step into this role as interim pastor, I want you to know that it's not about me. My role is to help your church prepare for your next permanent pastor. I'm the temporary guy here for just a little while. There's going to come a time for me to step back into the shadows and your next shepherd will step up to lead this wonderful congregation. But I'm not just a substitute. My job is to intentionally prepare and do the important work that churches can only do between pastors. I'm here to help you become the healthiest, the most effective church that you can be so that under your next pastor, you are even more effective at reaching your community for Christ, becoming better Jesus followers yourself and learning how to help lost people get to know Christ and grow in him. I want to prepare and give you confidence that your best days as a church are ahead, not behind. And preparing for that is so important. Now, some kinds of preparation I love and other kinds I hate. Some uh, preparation involves the delightful anticipation and hope. Other kinds of preparation are just plain boring hard work. I love preparing and planning a vacation, but I hate preparation for painting a room in our house. Several of us have just sent kids off to college because we know how essential it is for them to prepare to become effective and productive and make a difference for God in our world. But once they are there, it's going to boil down to day after day, cracking the books, taking exams, trying to stay awake when they'd rather take a nap. Preparation is so important, whether it's the fun parts or the not-so-fun parts, preparation is important. So how does an interim pastor help us prepare? How will Steve help us? 
I can't cover it all this morning, but let me just give you five ways an interim pastor helps us prepare for our next phase of ministry. And I'd encourage you to write these down. First, the interim pastor helps us refocus all of our ministries on disciple-making and kingdom expansion. Let me remind you that Jesus is Lord of the church. It's his church. Lakewood Evangelical Free Church does not belong to the founding members. It's not the elders' church or Pastor Dave's church or Pastor Brent's church, even though that may be what the community folks ha have to say about us. Oh, that's Pastor so-and-so's church. But it's not their church. It's not your church even though you may be here every time the doors are open. You may have been a member all of your life, but it's Jesus' church. Acts 20, 28 says that Jesus purchased it. He purchased us, spending his own precious blood. It's his church. He bought, brought us together. He gave us an objective. He was so clear what he wants done. His last words to his disciples, we call it the Great Commission, and here it is. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's the boss? He is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I know you've had good Bible teaching here at Lakewood, and so you probably know that in the original language construction of this text, there is only one imperative must-do command in this verse. It's not go, it's not baptize, it's not even teach. The command is make disciples. As you're going, wherever you go, who, who, wherever you're teaching, whomever you're baptizing, make disciples. Introduce people to a personal relationship with Jesus and help them become Jesus followers. Help them to come to him and then deepen their commitment to him. We need to intensify the discipleship of our own life to become better disciples ourselves, radical Jesus followers but also to help others find him. Jesus' church is about disciple-making. And you can say that in a bunch of different ways, but let me say it as boldly as I know how. If a church is about other stuff, it's forgotten what our master has directed us. It's gotten distracted from Christ's command, his kingdom focus, and that church has lost its reason for being. And when a church has lost its reason for being, when a church has lost its purpose, it ought to die. So one of the most important things an interim pastor is supposed to do is to call the church back to the disciple-making expectation of Jesus. Can I just tell you that every church occasionally needs to go through a hard evaluation of its ministries? Are our ministries focused on what Jesus, the Lord of the church, commanded us to do? Yes, we're having a good time. Yes, we love getting together. 
Yes, we love our potluck suppers, but it's not just to hang out with our friends. You can do that in a country club. It's not just to get together to talk about the Twins or the Vikings or, or the Packers, some of you, or, or, or if you prefer the Warriors. The question is, are we producing faithful followers of Jesus, radical Jesus followers? A good interim pastor will help us ask that question. Could our ministries be more precisely focused on Jesus' agenda? Secondly, an interim pastor must empower and engage leaders. One of the things I love most about my work as an interim pastor is to encourage and disciple leaders. And then the other question, who haven't we discovered yet that should be a leader in this church? Who needs to be encouraged to give it a try? Who needs to hear, yes, you can? One of the questions I need to ask is, is the board and the staff holding on to control or encouraging people to step up and serve the Lord and reach out to the community? Have members gotten passive and disconnected? And when church members get passive and get disconnected, you can also expect them to get surly and sour and nasty. I want you to know as an individual that you can make an impact on the Brainerd Lakes area, this whole region. You can make an impact that lasts way beyond your lifetime. Loving people to Jesus is something that we will celebrate for all of eternity. Your life is not to be wasted. We don't have a lot of time here on earth to make a difference for God, but our church better be empowering people and encouraging people to do that. And if we can do that together, if we can get moving in the same direction for God, we can shake the gates of hell. One of the hard things I had to hear as a pastor was from a friend of mine who comes out here every summer from California. He lives on a lake in southern Minnesota, and, uh, and uh, Dick one day said to me, Steve, why are all these capable leaders sitting on their hands in your church? I didn't like hearing that. And then he said, Man, our church would just die to have the quality of leaders that are sitting in every pew in this church. He attends kind of a biker church in California. And he said, in my biker church, we just love the Lord and we just go for it. We're not waiting for someone to give us permission because we don't have a lot of people deciding, but we've got a lot of people doing Didn't like hearing that challenge, but man, it changed how our church thought about ministry. Who needs to step it up and get their hands dirty for Jesus? Third, God uses an interim pastor to help a church become change-friendly. We've been thrust into change, haven't we? Uncomfortable change. When Pastor Brian resigned, lots of things changed. Lots of things suddenly looked different. 
So we are forced to face change, like it or not. Now, some things should never change. Other things got to change. The truth of God's word does not change. The gospel does not change. The fact that every human being is a sinner and needs a life-transforming relationship with God, that doesn't change. The foundations of our faith do not change. But there are other things that got to change. Ministries and programs are not eternal. They teach eternal truth, but the means and the methods that they use, and even those programs can change. Worship styles are not eternal. They change as every new generation finds its own way of expressing love to Jesus. And every one of those changes historically sparked controversy when someone innovated and tried something new. Sunday school. There's a precious one. Uh, it's been used greatly by God, but you know, it wasn't even around till 200 years ago. The body of Christ always needs leaders and always will, but governmental structures and how those relate to each other, those occasionally need to change so that God's work becomes more effective and more focused and more relevant to today's world. Some wonderful ministries that worked powerfully 30 years ago may not be working anymore. It's okay to evaluate a ministry's effectiveness and ask if it needs to be refocused. And, and sometimes we just need to recognize that it had a wonderful run for God, but something ne different is needed for today. Now, God uses an interim pastor to help the church figure out what can't change, what shouldn't change, and to help a church be comfortable enough and secure enough to change things that have got to change. Number four, an interim pastor helps, helps us understand ourselves. Every church is unique. No two are alike. It's unique because it's made up of a distinct mixture of people and because it's planted in the uniqueness of a different city, a different mission field. And how should we do what God has called us to do with this unique group in this distinct place and in this special time? That's a critical question for a church to answer between pastors because we want to know how to recruit a next pastor that fits us and has a God-given ability to lead us to re reach our unique mission field in our creatively God-determined way. And so real soon, we are going to start a process of surveying and researching and investigating and examining. The elders will recruit a commission, a special group that we'll call the transition team. And the transition team will do that self-study even before the pastor search committee gets started. Some of the information we will gather about our surrounding city and region. What are the opportunities out there for the gospel to, to bring care and love to people who need Jesus? But it will also include a very important spiritual health and effectiveness assessment of Lakewood Church. 
And that's going to help us determine of all of the things that our church might do, what must we do if we're going to be effective for the Lord? So be alert because we're going to need your help. We're going to need information from you as we do that self-study. We've got a lot of information to gather, and the transition team will report back to the staff and elders and the congregation, and then they will pass along their discoveries to the pastor search team so that we go looking for a guy like that who can lead us from where we are. One last thing I want to mention this morning that is so important that an interim pastor should do for us, and that's to speak the unspoken. You know, there's great value in asking someone to come in from the outside and say, tell us what you see. Because if you've been around here for a while, uh, there are lots of things that you've gotten comfortable with that you don't even notice anymore. Sometimes businesses will do that. They'll hire a consultant to come in and evaluate their effectiveness and, and notice things that nobody on the inside notices anymore. And to say the things that quite, quite honestly need to be said but might damage things if an insider says them. Let me give you an example. My first interim pastorate was in a sweet rural medium-sized congregation in Isanti County. Wonderful church, great people. The congregation was 160 years old, settled by Swedes whose descendants were still leaders in that church, still vital for God. The previous pastor had been there for 30 years. And in my very first meeting with the leaders, I noticed as I walked into their central entrance that the very first thing I saw was a whole wall of beautiful dark oak cabinets where behind glass doors were pictures of every pastor, every staff member, and every significant anniversary of the church. They got everybody outside for a panoramic photo of the Sunday school on rally day, and the photos went all the way back to horse and buggy days. And I thought to myself, wow, interesting, really sweet, but is that really what they want to communicate to a newcomer who walks in for the first time? And then just a little farther toward the sanctuary was a gorgeous room that they called the Heritage Room. And it was the church museum with the silver chalice and the pitcher that they had used for their first communion and paintings of the first log cabin meeting place, paintings of the church behind horses and buggies, and the 125-year-old chandeliers were there from the former building, and on and on and on. Now, I love history, but in my mind, I was asking, is this what they are all about, their past? And as I talked with the leaders, I discovered that they talked a lot about bygone days, but not much about their present. They were very focused on their history, but they didn't have a clue about their future. 
Some were still trying to, uh, trying to reproduce church like it was like in the 1950s. And some were hopelessly out of touch with the fact that they were on the edge of serious decline while all at the same time people were moving out from the Twin Cities and there was an exploding mission field around them. Anybody who had vision to reach that world for Jesus, they'd gone on to another church that had vision. Oh, And I discovered a relationship of resentment between two families in that church that had gone on for three generations. They needed their interim pastor to speak the unspoken. I had to find gracious ways to say hard things. It was a lovely little church, but most nice little country churches die And churches that are focused on their history die. And churches that won't figure out how to make disciples, Jesus followers in today's world, who haven't figured out how to get back on mission for Jesus, they die. And let me say it again. When any church gets stuck in something other than the compelling command of Jesus to make disciples more and better Jesus followers, they ought to bolt the doors and shutter the windows and get out of the way for a mission that follows Jesus. Now, in that sweet old church, Their previous pastor with 30 years of relationships couldn't say those things. And it was really important that it be spoken before the new pastor arrived so that with a new commitment to be on God's agenda, that church could build a new future. What's the unspoken stuff I'll need to speak as your interim pastor? I don't know that yet. I certainly don't think it's about facilities. These are lovely and wonderful and trendy. But, you know, I got a lot to learn. I've only been here since Tuesday. I'm just starting to wrap my arms around what it is that God wants to do at Lakewood in this transition time. And I'll tell you, if there are hard things to say, I'll do my best to say them with grace and encouragement. I promise. This transition time, I want it to be a restoration time, a preparation time. I hope we can make it an anticipation time because this I do know. God wants to use this interim time to draw this church more fully into his mission. He wants this to be a time where we draw close to him, a time where we learn better how to love each other, a time when we decide that God gets to make any changes he wants to make in our lives and in his church. A time to get our leaders ready for the next part of the journey. A time to better understand who we are and what we can be for our King, our Savior, Jesus. 
It won't be long before I'm introducing you to your next shepherd. I don't have a lot of time to accomplish the work God has called me to do at Lakewood. Every day, I got to hit the ground running. Every day, I'm going to drive into the parking lot praying, God, what do you want to do today? I've got to come to the office knowing this day is a huge opportunity for God to do the work of preparation that you need done. So pray for me, will you? I need to know that you're asking God to lead me and to lead us for this time. He's assigned us to walk together. Let's pray. And so, Lord, the adventure begins. I thank you that in your grace there are always fresh starts. I thank you, Lord, that we're right at one of those right now. Help us to do this interim time well so that our future can be as bright as the promises of God. We look forward to seeing how you're going to do all this. Thank you for the adventure of walking with you. Thank you for the, uh, the, the sweet surprises that you have for us. Help us to walk this journey well. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.